You may be seated as we walk through Psalm 138 together. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. And they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, whom to know is everlasting life, grant us to know your Son, Jesus, to be the way, the truth, and the life, that we may boldly confess him to be the Christ and steadfastly walk in the way that leads to eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Old Testament reading from the prophet Isaiah, the 51st chapter. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham your father and to Sarah who bore you, for he was but one when I called him, that I might bless him and multiply him. The Lord comforts Zion. He comforts all her waste places and makes her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and the voice of song. Give attention to me, my people, and give ear to me, my nation. For a law will go out from me, and I will set my justice for a light to the peoples. My righteousness draws near. My salvation has gone out, and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands hope for me, and for my arm they wait. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look at the earth beneath, for the heavens vanish like smoke, the earth will wear out like a garment, and they who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will never be dismayed. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading from Paul's letter to the Romans in the 11th chapter. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments! How inscrutable his ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. 
I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, and what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise in honor of the gospel from Matthew's gospel in the 16th chapter. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. <clears throat> Once again, we give you thanks that you have gathered us together into your presence around your word to receive your gifts as you gather the body of Christ together to live life together. We pray that you also move by your spirit. As you bring us into life together, you also give us opportunity to sit at your feet, remove distractions from our hearts and minds, and lead us in the promises of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Right, as you know, geography plays an important part in what's going on in the scriptures. Last week, we saw Jesus over in Tyre and Sidon, over on the coastlands that were supposed to see no mercy in the Old Testament, yet Christ is God's mercy, and he was present there with the woman who needed help, and present for the disciples to see what God's mercy looks like. Today in the scriptures, we find him in a different spot, yet a place that is just as odd for the disciples to be at. See, they're in Caesarea Philippi, which is way north in the lands of Israel. It's also an odd spot because it wasn't always called Caesarea Philippi. Okay? And it's in this area in the north that was kind of thought about as this kind of dark triangle. Okay? So you've got this city, which will explore a couple of the other names for it in just a second. You have the city of Dan, and then you have another city called Omrit. 
In all these places, there was worship of other gods that went on throughout the Scriptures, throughout the Old Testament, throughout all kinds of stuff. And in the particular part that they're at, Caesarea Philippi, it used to be known by a different name. It was known by Banias. Fun name, right? So Banias was kind of an aberration of a name, but it was dedicated for several centuries to the Greek god Pan. So Pan was the god that oversaw the shepherds and the flocks and a lot of improper stuff. And so this was the place that was this kind of dark area. And the particular place where they worshipped Pan uh, was this cave. And in this cave, there was a spring. And the springs of water would flow from this cave. In fact, those waters actually fed the Jordan River also. But from this place, it got to be kind of known as the gates of Hades. Because the thought was, when Pan would come out in the spring and work through the fertility in the fields and watch over the flocks and the shepherds and all those folks throughout all the springtime. In the wintertime, he would exit and go rest during the wintertime in Hades. So, dark cave, crazy spot, weird worship going on. Somewhere down the line, Philip, the Tetrarch, one of the leaders under Herod, came in and this was his territory. And so, in honor of himself, pretty much, or maybe it was Herod that renamed it, they rename it Philippi. But then to give honor to Caesar, they rename it Caesarea Philippi. There was also Caesarea Maritima and these other Caesareas, but to make sure that there was clear distinction on where you were walking on the roads, you had to have another name appended to it, so you went to the right town, right? So, they head on over there, and that's where it is, Caesarea Philippi. A big temple is built there, which is really one of the palaces of uh, Philip, and then all these other worship things going on. That's where we find Jesus and his disciples. This place with a dark history in the middle of this dark cave area in a dark culture. Have you ever walked in caves? I mean, there's all kinds of cool caves, right? There's sea caves that you can walk into that have been etched out by water. There's wind caves that you can walk into, which are really interesting as they just kind of meander and move with smooth you know, lines here and there. Michelle and I got to walk through sand caves in Utah, which was really strange because the sand under your feet was softer than any beach sand I'd ever walked on. It was a really strange feeling knowing that I was landlocked and walking on a ground that was like every other ground I had walked on next to the ocean, right? But it was this wonderful experience to walk through, and caves are this weird, mysterious place because, you know, in the first view, you can see pretty much what's there, but as it gets darker and deeper, it's kind of hard to tell what's back there. And then the depths of that darkness start to want light. There's another cave I walked into one time that was 300 feet underground. That was dark. The kind of darkness, and you've heard the story before, I know you have, but some of you are newer, but it's the kind of darkness when you walk in and you close your eyes, it seems brighter for whatever reason. The kind of darkness when someone's standing next to you and you can't see them at all until they touch you and you know they're there. But even if they were to put their hand in front of your face, you couldn't see it at all. That's what some caves are like. That's what the culture was like 
in this land where Jesus is walking along with his disciples. A dark culture, middle of a dark place, with a dark cave, with a weird God. So Jesus asked the question, who do people say that I am? They're like, well, I don't know, you're a prophet, a teacher. Some say that you're Elijah back, which is great because we've been waiting for Elijah to return. Some say you're John the Baptist back from the dead. It's all right. In the middle of this dark place, in the middle of this dark culture, in the middle of this place that has no light, who do you say that I am? Peter, speaking on behalf of all the disciples, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he says, great, Simon, son of Jonah. He uses his full title because pleasantries were needed in that moment, I guess. And so made sure that Peter knew, or Simon at that point, knew who he was and who he was the son of. And it's kind of an affirmation as Peter named who Jesus is. Before we get too excited about Peter, it's probably about seven more verses if you were to read. And uh, Jesus calls him Satan, get behind me. So as much as he lifts Peter up in this very moment for naming him as the Christ, he also tries to tempt Jesus to where he doesn't need to go to the cross. That's where we find ourselves sometimes too. We know Jesus is Jesus. There's other times we wish he would do things a little bit differently. Yet in all of that, he continues to call us child. Continues to call us forgiven. Continues to lift us up as his very own in the middle of the dark places that we find ourselves. And the only reason that he does that is because he found himself in the middle of a dark cave after the crucifixion. His tomb middle of that cave where there was no life and there was no light and there was no anything for a couple of days. But see, Jesus in his resurrection, being the light, being the Lord, being the way, the truth, and the life, brought life and light into the middle of that dark cave as well as he came to life, as he was raised from the dead, as he stepped out of that cave, bringing light into the middle of a dark place in the middle of confusion, and in the middle of doubt, where all the disciples were wondering whether or not he was really the Lord. And how often do you find yourself in those dark places? Maybe not personally. I mean, we live in the midst of a culture that is not too far off from the days of the Greeks and Romans, where all kinds of weird gods are followed and all kinds of social practices are really strange. And there's a lot of things out there that don't really honor God's creation as much as they abuse God's creation. And so God carries us around into places where people want to hear about some sort of Lord, some sort of person who has control over everything, who isn't sleeping through the winter and maybe come about next spring like Pan would, but who is present continually and who is present with words of grace and life. And light in the middle of dark places. Who is one who brings light into the middle of dark caves and cultures? And so as he sends us out into those places, people want to hear about that Lord. People want to hear about that one who brings life and light. That one who is always there. So think through those times. When you're in the middle of somewhere. And someone's just pondering, who is this Jesus 
Who is it that you go to go hear about? More often than not on Sundays. Who is it that you read about in the scriptures? Who is it, this one that you seem to trust and have peace in? Who is it that this, this entity that you seem to believe in, why is he truer than any other? Why is he better than any other? Who do you say that he is when that opportunity arises? Is it that he's just another teacher like all of the other religious figures? Is he that he simply brings peace and comfort in the midst of troubles? Or is he Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, the sent one, the Lord sent from heaven, the Son of the Heavenly Father, second person of the Trinity, all man, all God, who came for you, who came to forgive your sins, so that in all of those dark places where people seek hope and forgiveness, you would get to speak? of forgiveness, that they would hear from no other, that you would get to speak of a light in the middle of the dark, that you would get to speak a word into their ears so that they would know what the truth of God's love for his creation is like, that it's not some mystical, mythical God that sleeps in the winter in a cave, but it's a Lord who walked in the dirt of his creation, a Lord who stood in front of his people, a Lord who spoke to them and held on to them and carried them and healed them and fixed them and spoke life into them and died for them and bled for them and rose for them as he rose for you. That's who Jesus is. He is the Christ, the Messiah. He is the Son of the living God. The one who is active, the one who continues to do things in his creation, the one who is not dead or sleeping behind the gates of Hades, but the one who is in heaven, the one who is sustaining everything, the one who is maintaining everything, the one who continues to call you his child on account of Christ, the one who continues to put breath in your lungs and when the days come that you don't walk here, he continues to put life in you into eternity because that's the life that you have now. That's the promise that you have now is that we do not look to a God who sleeps in the middle of a dark cave, but we look to a God who is worshiped by the angels and promises to come back and walk in the midst of his creation, and gather his people into his presence, and continue to live, and continue to provide, and continue to bring life. So we wouldn't walk in dark caves, or even dark cultures. But to be able to be a light in the middle of the darkness, so that no one would be worried or scared. That's what he's put into you. That's the light and the life he's put into your heart. That's the word he's put into your mouth. So that that word could land in the ears of people who feel like they sit in the depths of darkness. And you get to bring the light of the Lord. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the light which you have given us in Jesus. We thank you for your spirit that guides us each day and lifts our eyes up so that we would look to the forgiveness that Christ has won for us on the cross. We pray that you continue to be a light in our lives and the places that are dark and that you give us opportunity, Lord, to speak of your truth. Not just a truth or one of the truths, but the truth. The fact that you are God. You have forgiven us. You call us your own. And you want all of creation to hear that. You are a loving and living God, Father, and we pray that you continue to lead us 
by your spirit and point us to Jesus so that we can point others to Jesus as well. And in his name we pray. Amen. I invite you to rise.